0: This is an RNZ podcast. Piki mai kāke mai, I'm Alison Balance and welcome to this Our Changing World podcast from RNZ. Keita whakaronga mai koe ki tō horihori, hei hōtaka e pāna ki tō tātou i I'm Alison Balance and this is Our Changing World. Now, what old ice can tell us about future sea level rise? The IPCC is the international body of scientists tasked by the United Nations with assessing climate change science. A month ago it released a special report on global warming of 1.5 degrees C. It states very starkly that limiting warming to 1.5 degrees is possible within the laws of chemistry and physics, but doing so would require unprecedented changes. And while we decide whether or not to act... We're also discovering that the world's oceans are heating up faster than we expected, and the ice keeps melting. And how ice melted in the past can give us clues as to how much sea level rise we can expect in the future. Daughter Dahl Jensen is a paleoclimate expert from the University of Copenhagen in Denmark. She's been in New Zealand to deliver the annual ST Lee lecture at Victoria University of Wellington, I took the opportunity to sit down with daughter and Andrew McIntosh from the university's Antarctic Research Centre to compare ice and melting in Antarctica and Greenland. Greenland is the biggest island in the
1: world and it uh, contains the second biggest ice sheet. It's only dwarfed by Antarctica, so if Greenland melted away we would get about seven metres of sea level rise. And uh, I work with uh, ice core research, so we try to look back in time and see
0: what happened to the Greenland ice sheet if we look at previous warm climate periods. So how much ice is there on Greenland? And I suppose my question, there's two parts to that. One is how thick does it get, and then what is its volume overall? It's up to about
1: 3,000 metres thick, and uh, the volume is uh, 3 million cubic uh, kilometres.
0: Now, Andrew, you're a bit more of an Antarctic Southern Hemisphere expert. Can you paint a picture of Antarctic for me in comparison to Greenland?
2: Antarctica is much larger, both in terms of the area um, but also the ice that's uh, that's locked up. Um, but it has two sort of somewhat independent ice sheets, uh, the West Antarctic Ice Sheet and the East Antarctic Ice Sheet. Uh, and both have, uh, have been changing in one way or another, but it's the West Antarctic Ice Sheet that has gained the most attention for the mass loss that's occurred uh, recently
0: and how much ice are we talking about in Antarctica?
2: Well, the West Antarctic Ice Sheet uh, has about about 5 meters of uh, sea level equivalent, but uh you wouldn't necessarily lose all of that because some of it's on bedrock that's uh, above, above ground, so you might uh, lose some of it and leave some, some ice on the mountains. Um, in, uh, in East Antarctica, it's more like 52 metres of sea level equivalent. Um, but again, uh, answering that question is not that straightforward in some respects because uh, the amount of ice that's added to the ocean depends on a whole bunch of different factors.
0: Dora, can you tell me about the research that you've been doing in, in Greenland? You've been working there for quite a while. What does that research entail? Well, we've been drilling a deep ice course uh,
1: from the top of the Greenland ice sheet to the bedrock, and uh, by studying the the ice, we we study the climate back in time. In Greenland, we get ice uh, that gets about uh, 130,000 years old, so we're especially studying um, the deepest ice closest to the bedrock from the last interglacial, where it was warmer than the present, and trying to estimate how warm was it at that time, and how was the loss from the Greenland ice sheet. During the glacial time uh, we also see a lot of very abrupt changes in the green ice sheet so it's important to study these abrupt changes uh, to understand our climate system and understand it what can cause the, the climate to make very abrupt changes and it is really abrupt changes because it's warming of about 15 degrees over just 50 years so it's actually much more abrupt than what we're seeing at present and in the last interglacial that was when can you remind me It's uh, from 115,000 to 130,000 years before present. What was the climate like then compared to now? It was um, a warm period, and uh, the results we get from the green ice sheet shows it was, uh, in average, 5 degrees warmer than the present, and this is temperatures over Greenland. It's in the Arctic, so it's not global mean temperatures. But it's interesting because this is the warming we'll expect in the Arctic in year 2100. So it's a good analogue. High latitudes, the Arctic, it's going to warm more than around the equator. That's right, and probably also more than Antarctica as Mm. far as as we know at present.
2: For uh, Antarctica in the last interglacial, I guess there was some chance that it lost ice as well, just um, like Greenland, and and one of the big questions is exactly how much, because uh, we can see from uh, coral reef records that have been dated around the world that sea level was higher um, than present, something like 6 to 9 metres higher than present. Uh, and i mean that water came from somewhere we're not quite sure where at the moment
0: what do you think so 6 to 9 meters of water where do you think it might have come from did it all come from greenland that's what people believed uh, 10 years ago but the the
1: results we get from the deep ice cores from greenland show that uh, greenland at most uh, lost what was equivalent to 2 meters of sea level rise so we'll have to pass the ball to antarctica because uh, we have to get about 4 to 5 meters of sea level rise from antarctica
2: so in Antarctica, we we have very short observational records of how the ice sheet's been changing just in the recent decades and so on. And so records from previous warm periods are very important for understanding what the ice sheet might do and sort of trying to understand the parts of it that are sensitive. Uh, and one of the big surprises lately is the um, possibility that uh, East Antarctica has lost a bit more ice in the past than what we previously thought, and uh, the implication is it could do the same in the future.
0: What's the IPCC thinking at the moment? They've been in the news with their saying, well, this is what would you'd have to do to you know, stick at one and a 1.5 degrees sure. temperature rise, but if you don't act very, very quickly, then it's clearly going to be more than that.
2: Yeah, I guess one of the interesting things that came out of the 1.5 report, or at least an implication of it, would be that... Uh, there might be sort of thresholds in ice sheet response. Uh, So in other words, say for a four-degree warming, we would expect a very large response, Um, but for, say, a two-degree warming, it could be smaller. And so one of the key questions at the moment is where the thresholds really lie for um, both ice sheets. And I think we don't know yet, um, and that's a good motivation for doing more science to understand really how ice sheets respond to climate change and that's partly uh, could partly be driven through uh, paleo climate work like um daughter's talking about um partly through ice sheet modeling and through some combination we can hopefully get a better understanding of where the thresholds actually lie for potentially losing ice sheets in the relatively near future yeah yeah, I
1: think that that's very true. Yeah. By studying uh, the Greenland ice sheets and realizing that there's a lot of sea level that has to come from Antarctica, it brings a lot of attention to Antarctica because uh, at present the the Antarctic ice sheet is not not reacting as as much as the Greenland ice sheet. But about four to five meters of sea level rise, uh, it's about the size of of Western Antarctica. And uh, the Western Arctic ice sheet is, is is very interesting in the way that uh, the bedrock under the ice sheet is down in 1.5 kilometers depth under the present sea level. So you've got a, a big body of ice that's heavy enough to stand on the bottom, but you know we know that ice is lighter than water. So if you start thinning this body, there's a risk that over some centuries will pop up like an iceberg, and lose its connection to the bed. And at that time, it will contribute to sea level rise. So it, it's, it's one of the risks we have in our future to get a pretty fast uh, sea level rise, corresponding to what we saw during the Aemian, if West Antarctica starts to disintegrate. Ice cores are not telling us anything about this. I mean, we've studied the the deep ice cores in Antarctica to see if we can do the same kind of studies as we've done in Greenland to to understand what the elevation changes have been. But it's not been very um, successful because all the big ice cores are in in eastern Antarctica on the very top point and they don't react very much.
2: In recent times, um, we've seen in East Antarctica the ice sheet has started to thin and add a bit of mass to the ocean, particularly around Wilkes Land and at Totten Glacier. And this is r- roughly speaking, sort of between Australia and New Zealand, dead south. But there's also some paleoclimate evidence that's coming out from that part of Antarctica that's indicating the ice um, that ice might have been lost in the past. It's a little bit indirect. Um, we're using proxy evidence, so from from marine sedimentary records. This is work that's um, uh, that Rob Mackay in the Antarctic Research Centre has um, been leading, and he just published a recent paper with a group uh, from the UK and other places that showed um, that uh, during the last interglacial, so the period the daughter's been talking about, uh, the Wilkes Land margin may have lost uh, a bit of ice. So we're just starting to to get a few clues that this part of East Antarctica, that we thought of as a kind of a sleeping giant, may be actually waking up now, and could add more in the future.
0: Oh, you seeing much melting already in Greenland? We are seeing a
1: lot of melting and uh, we've been following the melting, especially in the time of the satellites where it's been, we've been able to make more precise uh, measurements and and full measurements over the whole ice sheet. So we see an increasing and accelerating loss of mass from the green and ice sheet. Half of it is uh, melt along the, the, the marginal parts of the Greenland ice sheet, and half of it is discharge of ice being streamed out from the ice streams into the water. Um, so we see these two components of mass loss from, from Greenland. In the very recent years, we've had a sea level rise of about uh, 4 millimeters per year. And uh, I think the best estimates from Greenland is the mass loss from Greenland is about 0.8 millimeters per year. The biggest component is still the the thermal expansion of the ocean water because it's warming. And the second largest contribution is is all the Arctic glaciers, the smaller glaciers, uh, especially on the northern hemisphere. Yeah, I think Greenland will soon overtake the other components and be the biggest component of mass loss
2: we have So Antarctica's already adding mass to the oceans, just less than Greenland, and the mechanisms by which it's losing mass are are different. Um, So it doesn't have um, the surface melting component um, to the same degree. There's a little bit of surface melt in Antarctica, but it's just not the annual melt cycle that you see in Greenland. Um, and in Antarctica, we're talking about um, ice flow, ice dynamics, and uh, and also um, particularly melt underneath ice shelves and the way that that affects the grounding line, which is the part where the grounded glacier sort of peels off into the ocean. And if that retreats back, then um, ice sheets tend to lose more mass. And uh, that was a little bit like what Daughter was talking about with the deep um, basins that lie underneath West Antarctica. Um, as the ocean warms, it's likely that we'll expect to see uh, grounding lines retreating and even more mass loss. Um, but there's still there's a lot of science to do to work out exactly how that's going to occur. And even um, within uh, the glaciological community, there are some debates about, for example, whether um, progressive, unstoppable ice loss has already begun in West Antarctica or whether we might see a sort of a regrounding and a slowing down as ice retreats into sort of more stable positions again, and, and, and uh, the jury's still out on that a little bit.
1: Sea level rise is one of the very great concerns we have uh, in the warming uh, climate because uh, so big parts of, uh, of our population lives very close to, to the ocean, which also is true for New Zealand. And still, it's it's one of the, the, the numbers that has the greatest uncertainty of all. Copenhagen, where I stay, in Denmark, uh, the best predictions are that sea level rise in year 2100 will be 60 centimeters, but the error on it is 60 centimeters as well. So science is telling us that uh, the sea level rise will be between 0 and 1.2 meters, which is, is scary that we don't know know this number better. So I think it's really important to see whatever we can do in science to, to get a better understanding on, on what's going to happen.
2: For sea level rise in New Zealand, um, it's hard to, to say. There are, there are a number of reasons for this. Uh, if you compare uh, Denmark and New Zealand, one big difference is that we're a very tectonically active country, so there's a lot of um, uplift and, and sinking of land that's independent of global sea level change. Uh, and we need to know that as well in order to make um, good predictions of future sea level. The other part of it is that... Um, how sea level changes here will be affected by where the ice loss actually occurs. So if in the future there's more um, ice loss from Greenland, we would expect to see a larger sea level rise in New Zealand. And conversely, if there's more ice, ice loss from Antarctica... Um, then you would see a larger change in the northern hemisphere. Can you explain why that is? (laughs) It it sort of seems a bit counterintuitive, doesn't it? But it's to do with um, the gravitational attraction of the ocean to the ice sheet. So as the ice sheet loses mass, um, the ocean is no longer so attracted to it, so it sort of falls away more close to the ice sheet and then you get a rise at the other end of the world. It's sort of You need a sort of a bathtub where somehow you've got more of an attractor at one end that disappears and a sort of a sloshing to the other end, if you like. Mm. Um, but for Antarctica, it's also not that straightforward. So it depends on exactly where the ice loss occurs in Antarctica. So, um, in fact, it sounds like good news for New Zealand, you know, for... If we lose some mass in Antarctica, we won't see much of a rise here. But actually, uh, if most of the mass loss is in West Antarctica, that's not true. So you do actually see a large rise here. So I I think it's, in some respects it's easier to make a calculation like this for Denmark than it is for New Zealand um, because of the the uncertainties surrounding tectonics. Mm Um, but the things I was talking about with gravitational attraction of ice sheets and its effect on sea level apply to both places, actually. We, and it's just one of the components, and there are many, um, that creates a, the large uncertainty that daughter was just referring to. Yeah.
0: Well,
1: I think one of the <laughs> biggest uncertainties is our behaviour in the future yeah. because, of course, it depends on, on how, how we react and uh, yeah. how, mu- how much greenhouse gases we put in the atmosphere and how, how strong the temperature change is
2: going to be. We're sort of playing with fire a little bit here by warming a climate and not knowing quite when we might uh, instigate a, a massive change in, in ice sheets and cause even more dramatic sea level rise. I mean, I think a certain amount of sea level rise is already built into our system right now.
1: Well, it yeah. is because uh, the, the greenhouse gases, especially the, the carbon dioxide, we have released into the atmosphere, stays there for about 200 years. So that's a timescale of 200 years we're, we're playing with, and we've already done that. Then when we get to the ice sheets, we're talking about timescales of, of thousands to ten thousands of years in, in reaction time. So it's not straightforward to, to calculate the, 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 the results of what we're doing because they take, take such
0: a long time to manifest. Thanks, daughter. Daughter Dahl Jensen is with the Niels Bohr Institute at the University of Copenhagen in Denmark, and Andrew McIntosh is Director of the Antarctic Research Centre at Victoria University of Wellington. I'm Alison Balance, and this Our Changing World podcast first aired on RNZ on the 8th of November 2018. You can find us online at rnz.co.nz slash Our Changing World. You'll find this story there, the audio as well as photos and a written feature and useful links. If you'd rather listen to us as a podcast, there are many ways of listening, and they're free. For iPhones, head to Apple Podcasts. If you use a Google or Android phone, then head to Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public or somewhere like that. Or download the free RNZ app. We are there, along with the New Zealand history podcast Black Sheep, the suffrage podcast Beyond Kate, and a brand new podcast series called Two Cents Worth, which is a weekly chat about things to do with business and the economy. If you like doing business on Facebook and Twitter, you'll find us there, RNZ Science. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your company. Bye for now. Nā